AJ Jones. Yes, sir. Episode 56 of Keeping Up with the Joneses. Yes, sir. Let's keep up with them. What did we do this week? Well, let's see. Uh, Emanate got canceled on Monday. Let's talk about canceling Emanate. Okay. It was raining. Which, coming from a land where mm-hmm. all I knew was rain, sounds preposterous. Right. But here's what we've discovered from living in Nashville. Roads flood. <laughs> Roads do flood. So we're not used to rain or any heavy weather. We're just used to sun. So yes. when it does rain or when it does we, snow. We meaning Nashvilleians. Yeah. There's yes. there's no infrastructure to cope with those things. No. But then there's also lots of low spots in roads that become more passable by canoe than by car. Right. Quickly. We hate canceling anything. Yes, it's very frustrating. But when the national weather system states that it's a flood advisory, it just seems sensible that we listen to the Uber geeks that are paid by the government to watch the weather. Say national weather system again. National weather system. <laughs> Why? I don't know. It just it sounded very well, Scottish the, or something. The reason I'm doing it like that is I'm worried I'm going to say Nashville weather system. Oh, so, so we're I'm being national weather I'm enunciating. System. Okay. Enunciating? Your pronunciation? Is that right? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Now I'm super self-conscious. Let's talk about something closer to my heart than the weather. Let's talk about Apple Watch. Apple Watches. I got mine first. (laughs) It's very important, world, that you know that AJ got her Apple Watch first. I did. And why? Because the Lord loves me. (laughs) Are you saying the Lord loves me slightly less? Yes. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) I'm secure in the Father's love. I'm secure in the Father's love. You did. I think that's probably because your model was less popular than mine. I don't know how that's possible because my watch is really sexy. No, undoubtedly your watch is beautiful. Tell everybody what kind of watch you got. I got the uh, sport one with a white band. A 38 millimeter. Yes. And I got the 42 millimeter space gray sport. And tell them how we ended up with them. It turns out... That with our HSA, if you get a heart wait, rate... Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. What's an HSA? Health savings account, which is what we have through Right, work. so if you're not American, because we pay for our health care here, even though we have insurance, um, some people have what's called a health savings account. It's a bank account that so the IRS bank account, yeah. lets you put money in tax-free that you can spend on qualified, eligible medical expenses. Yeah. Well, it turns out a heart rate monitor, which... The Apple Watch has a top-of-the-line heart rate monitor, qualifies as one. So so we were trying to think, like, we had no room in our budget for an Apple Watch, let alone two Apple Watches. But we have, you know, quite a bit of money sitting in our health savings account because well, we we're, did. Well, we're fairly healthy. <laughs> we, did, we don't tend to have surgeries or anything like that, and we put money into each month. But on closer look at the IRS guidelines, as AJ said, a health monitor is a qualified eligible expense. That's right, baby. And Consumer Reports just rated Apple Watch as good as the top-rated heart rate monitor. Which is awesome. <laughs> Which is awesome. So that's how we ended up with them. And uh, what's your experience with them so far? It, Everybody's it asking what I think my heart it. well. <laughs> <laughs> it's way more fun now that you have yours because we can send each other little cheeky messages and draw things and send them to one another and send your heartbeat and... Uh, all that, because I was only able to do that with Carol before you got yours. And- right, and I think I want to write something about this on the blog, because all of that sounds frivolous and silly, but there is something incredibly intimate about doing that. I'm not making that up, I'm not, am I? No, it's it's quite cute. I like it when I'm like running at the gym, or I've been away from you for an hour, an hour and a half, and all of a sudden I can feel your heartbeat on my wrist, like, 
Oh, you're thinking about me. And in, I was. It, see? It reminds me quite a lot of when I got the first iPhone. Mm-hmm. And when I got it, it wasn't available for sale anywhere outside of America. We lived in Canada. Yeah. So having bought it, there wasn't much we could do with it. However, no, it, other than dri- other than drive to the border with John and Carol. <laughs> right. So you couldn't use the phone part of the iPhone. No. But all the other features you could. And even then it was very limited. The app store hadn't been invented yet. But the care that was taken in the apps that were on it was was brilliant. And I also think that they I don't know if this was there by design or whether this is just the way it happened. But because it was a new metaphor for interacting with computers and data and all that sort of stuff. There was no click, there was no right click, there was just all the swipe and tap and pinch and, you know, pinch to zoom and all this sort of stuff. It took a while for your, what's it called? Muscle learning? Mm-hmm. Muscle memory. Muscle memory to adopt the new ways of interacting with this device. I would say that's exactly what I'm going through with the Apple Watch. Like, you get it, you think you know how to interact with it because you've been trained on an iPhone and iPad, but it is... It's a little different. It is, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, I would say it's more than a little different, but give it a couple of days and you're totally used to it and it makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's very, again, when you had the first iPhone, it was easy to see not only how cool it was now, but it was very easy to see how awesome it was going to be in a couple of years. And I'd say that's the same thing with the yeah with the watch. Yeah. And then also the exercise app, those little rings, they definitely motivate you to move. Right, the gamification of making you move. I don't want to comment on that too much because I'm only seven days in. So I don't want to wax lyrical about how awesome it is and how it's changed my life. But it has changed the last seven days. Yes. Right, but... Because you keep going out for a run so that you have all of your rings completed. Right. And that's just probably because I'm a completer finisher. But it will be interesting to see how long that continues until I don't care about the green ring. You're never going to not care about the green ring because you always want all of your things completed. (laughs) I'm a completer finisher. Tia, our five-year-old, had a birthday and is now a six-year-old. She is, and she's the cutest six-year-old ever. She got a six-year-old tattoo for her birthday. It's the Lord's Supper down her back. Looks amazing. Yes, but like with little My, my Little Pony characters because... There's was, Rainbow Bright. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. sitting beside Jesus. Mm-hmm. Beautiful thing. Uh, I found <laughs> that a six-year-old is excited by anything. In this case, she was excited by having waffles in bed. She was. She normally... Like, it's one of our traditions. We have a couple different family traditions. So you get to pick where you're going to go for your birthday, lunch, or dinner with the family. And you get to pick what you're having for breakfast in bed. And so she, the night before, said, I want you to make me a muffin. She pointed at me, and then she pointed across the table at Daddy and said, and you will make me waffles and a strawberry and banana smoothie. And I was like, this is awesome because I'd already made the muffins. So I got to sleep in while you and made breakfast. I got up early and made waffles. You did a great job. Say that again, but never mind. Um, Grace on this morning was incredible. It was awesome. I was still going to talk about one more thing. Oh, go. Sorry. I'm, I apologize. It's okay. We went to the Rainforest Cafe. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's really not the best food ever. You kind of just go for the animatronic animals. However... MJ didn't enjoy the, the fact that we were seated right next to the tigers. And so when they came to life, he dove into your arms and started screaming. So we had to move over by the fish tank so that we could eat without our son experiencing trauma. Yeah, he didn't get the thunder and lightning storm that happens every half an hour. No, he just totally, he kept saying, I scared, I scared. It was so sad. It was very sad. It was, but the fish were a much better place to be sitting. Speaking of fish... 
Yes. I had amazing fish tacos twice this week. So you say? Yeah. You didn't like them. I didn't. I ate at Sapphire's on Wednesday, had their fish tacos, which were superb, influenced my wife today to go back and have them with me. Did they taste the same to you today as they did the Ad- day that you... Admittedly, they weren't as good as they were on Wednesday, but they were within 10% of their oh. goodness. Did you want to comment about Grace Center this morning? Yes. Okay, comment away. So this morning was awesome at church. Jeff, of course, was speaking, and you know, the first service was great. We went into second service, and... Um, Jeff, when he was supposed to start speaking, just stood there and started crying and was obviously just hearing the Lord on some stuff and waited and waited. And then he's, then he basically started addressing the group and saying, you know, I feel like the Lord wants to come and minister to those of you that feel like you're lonely and, um, like God doesn't see you or man doesn't see you. And, right. and so he explained the whole thing and then got people to stand up and, there was tons of people standing. It was really powerful. Like, oh, it was amazing. And uh, and then, you know, all the team just spread out and started praying for people. And um, it was great. And then uh, Christine got up and sang opera over she, everybody. She did. She sang. And then um, you had typed, you started typing out declarations from Isaiah 61. Yeah, I started typing furiously because I felt like the Lord said, you know, be really good if you made some declarations about who you are. So I was like, uh, okay, well, what do you want me to write? And he said, Isaiah 61. Mm-hmm. So I, I jumped up and typed all that out. You're so speedy that you got all those declarations up and we did them as a church, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of did mini fire tunnels as people left, like tunnels of blessing and everybody got prayer on the way out. Which it was, was so fun. awesome. I loved it. I love our church. It was fun. All right. Our main topic for this week. I want to talk about favor. Oh, good. I thought it was going to be fish tacos again. (laughs) Well, I want to talk about favor because of three things. One, listening to Josh and Sarah Parsons talk last week. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to Josh and Sarah's uh, message from last week, uh, go to alanaj.com slash 55 and you can listen to their uh, message. Incredible podcast last week. I loved interviewing them. But they were talking about the role that favor played in them stepping into their destiny. And then I was going to speak on favor emanate, but it got canceled, so I never did. Um, and then this morning, listening to two people in our church, Tink and Sam, who are about to be sent out from our church to Australia, again, listening to them talk about favor, I was just like, man, favor is this incredible thing that attracts ridiculous blessing to you, and it opens doors that you know you would never dream existed, and it ends up giving you this success that's completely unmerited. You know, you didn't do anything to deserve it. And so anyway, I wanted to talk about that. It's long been a fascination of mine, thinking about favor, talking about favor, listening to people teach on favor, that sort of stuff. And so that's what I wanted to talk about. Cool. How would you describe favor, AJ Jones? What would you say favor is? I think it's like walking around with a light shining on you that highlights you to other people all the time. That's a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the biggest misconceptions about favor is that if favor is on your life, then your circumstances are always going to be amazing. Right. Everything will be perfect if you have favor. And if you think like that, you're always going to think you don't have favor. Right. Because favor isn't dependent on your circumstances at all. No. So if you look at Joseph, mm-hmm. you look at Esther, yep. you look at Daniel, yep. you look at Ruth, mm-hmm. like the backdrop of their life was terrible. Yes. <laughs> it didn't seem like favor HQ at all, but in the midst of the sucky circumstances, the light that you were talking about comes along, rests upon them, and favor is given favor to them. Favor follows them, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So I want to encourage you that your the circumstances, no matter where you are when you're listening to this right now, your circumstances are simply the background or the backdrop for God's favor to appear on. So don't discount favor not being available to you because your circumstances are difficult. Would you would you think it's true to say that favor is a positional reality? But I mean, it's something you have to step into. Like you as children of God have favor. Absolutely. But you kind of have to partner with favor. Absolutely. And believe that it's there as opposed to, meh, I'm mud. Do you know what I mean? I and, totally know what you mean. Yeah. Let me tell you how I understood favor. First time I ever understood favor was... I listened to, and this must have been 2000, 2001 maybe, I listened to a word that Graham Cook gave to a church in Australia Mm -hmm. about the favorable year of the Lord from Isaiah 61. So I wasn't at that church, I wasn't there, I just found his message, I think from the Elijah list or something, and I, I was reading it, and I was thinking, this is the most profound thing I think I've ever read. Like, you know, it was Graham Cook just being Graham. And so I read this prophetic word. It, w- it was so incredible. And I just thought, this is an entirely new way of living. And so I read it. I tried to practice what he said. And But basically, it's exactly what you said, that favor has always been there for us as children of God. It's just I never knew to look for it. Mm-hmm. And the Lord came to me and said, hey, Alan, if you want to live, actually, the Lord came and gave me this prophetic word, one of the best prophetic words I've ever had, where he said, hey, Alan, just so you know, the rest of your life, all you need to know is that your life is marked by kindness, goodness, and the favor of God. So cool. I was like, that's amazing. And I was thinking incorrectly that that meant my life now would be completely free of problems. But actually, in that month that he gave me that word, I had so many situations that just rose up. And in those situations, the Lord was like, this is your opportunity to look for favor. Mm -hmm. Like, you can be overwhelmed by the circumstances that have come up, or you can say, favor, where are you hiding? (laughs) And you will find my favor. Like, in Psalm 23, it says, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Well, if something's following you, you can't see it. You actually have to stop, pause, turn around, look for it, and then you see it. And that's what I learned about favor, that, oh, actually, God's favor is available in any circumstance to change any circumstance. Yeah. That's really good, babe. Thanks. That's how I got into it. I think when Graham was here a couple of weeks ago at the More Conference, he happened to say something like, favor is just what you said. Favor is supposed to be the norm for the children of God. It isn't meant as a season of your life. It's supposed to be a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I think probably one of the biggest misconceptions that people might have, or maybe the second biggest misconception, because I've already said the first one, Mm -hmm. is that people think they can earn favor. Right. And you can't? No. And in fact, the more you try and curry favor with someone the worse it usually gets for you true so i'm sure you've all had circumstances where you've been in an interaction with somebody that you really want to impress and the more you try and impress them the worse it gets mm-hmm. i certainly have fallen into that mistake mm-hmm. uh, many times in galatians twice paul writes and he basically says stop trying to earn favor you just can't that begs the question if you can't earn favor where do you get favor i think i used to think that favor was like luck it was random. It was like a lottery. Some people had favor, some people don't. Did you used to think like that? Did I used to think that some people had favor and some people don't? Yeah, I probably did. Were, or were, just from looking at the outside, yeah. Were you ever in the situation where you felt like you didn't have favor? And you could see other people being prospered? Yeah. What did that look like? Was that ugly? Well, I, I would say there was a fair amount of orphaning out <laughs> going on. You know, yeah, for sure. I can remember seasons where I was like, uh, hi. When did I become the ugly stepchild in this scenario? <laughs> Where's my favorite? Where's my golden ticket? Right. Yeah. And what do you think that is? 
just a misunderstanding of what favor is. Or yeah, and a misinterpretation of circumstances. Right. You know, it's it's funny in observing other people's lives, you always think that, well, you only really see the good stuff because that's what we talk about and celebrate. Right. So other people talking about their lives, it can seem like, oh my gosh, they're just jumping from one favor floating stone to another. And you don't see the behind the scenes stuff. Right. You don't see process. But in yourself, all you see is the process and you rarely see, or you, you know, it, the other stuff seems fleeting. My definition of favor is a gift that God grants to someone else on your behalf. A gift that God grants to someone else on your behalf. Please to explain. Okay. So let's say I started a new job. Mm-hmm. and I'm working with a team of people I've never met before. I've got a boss who's interviewed me, but I've been hired. For me to have favor means that God has to go ahead of me and grant me favor in the eyes of my boss and my colleagues. Yes. So oh, as, yeah, as a gift to me, mm-hmm. he gives me favor in their eyes, mm-hmm. which is a completely different paradigm because usually gifts are given to us, but they're given to somebody else on, for yes. our benefit. Yes, that makes sense. In Isaiah 61, and this is the best news ever, Isaiah 61 is phenomenal. It's pointing to a time that we now live in, where basically Jesus, it's pointing towards Jesus. And in fact, Jesus read it, I forget where, in the New Testament. You know, that's the famous passage. He goes in the synagogue and says, today in your hearing, the scripture's been fulfilled. Yes. But he talks about the favorable year of the Lord, about, you know, just the whole thing of exchange. But because of Jesus' death on the cross, that's why we have favor. Yeah. Now, I want to distinguish because there's a fascinating verse that I learned as a young boy in the tender pads. Mm-hmm. Not a feminine hygiene product. It is, <laughs> if you have the Boy Scouts, you have the Cub Scouts, you have the tender pads. Oh, and so okay. the, the <laughs> verse I had to learn was Luke 2, verse 52. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. Right. So you see there that favor, you have favor with God, you have favor with people. I think, according to Scripture, we already have favor with God because mm-hmm. we're heirs with Christ, and Christ is as much favor as anybody. Mm-hmm. So I think favor with God is is an absolute done deal. Yes. And Psalm 84 verse 11 says this, the Lord bestows favor and honor. So, you know, Lord, would you just bestow favor upon my life is a, is a great thing to pray. Right. The reason you pray that, he's already done it, but it's actually a reminder for us. Right. Right? It reminds yourself of your position. Yeah. Same mm-hmm. with Psalm 90, verse 17. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Well, they were speaking from an Old Testament mindset. We're in a new covenant. We already have favor resting upon us. Mm-hmm. But we pray it for our benefit, not for his. So you get favor because you're in Christ. But you grow in favor through maturity. And that's, I think, what I'd like to talk a little bit about. The whole thing about growing in favor with man. Right? We've already got favor with God. In your experience, A.J. Jones, how have you seen yourself grow in favor with man? Talk about like your life and ways you've seen favor operating and how you've grown in favor. Well, I was thinking about that when, you know, a little bit earlier when we were talking about talking about this, and I thought, huh, I think that honor seems to release favor in the hearts of other people, especially those in authority above you. And I mean, I can look at my life and see over and over again, um, with the exception of one job, uh, and I've had quite a few jobs. I mean, I'm in my 40s. (laughs) Um, 
I've always been promoted and promoted and promoted until I left wherever it was to the next place. And then I would continue to get promoted there. Um, and I think that's because favor's always gone ahead of me and made room, you know, for me to flourish and to, to grow in places. But I've also always determined in my heart to honor those in authority in that place and to give my 110%. And, you know, that kind of, even though most of those jobs, I wasn't in my calling per se. Right. But I was where God had me at the moment. But talk to me about how, you know, you ended up in management at a large car rental company. Mm -hmm. But prior to that, you were a waitress. Yeah. So talk to me about how you made that shift because that's an example of favor and action. Yeah, I mean, that starting to work there even... The, the day that I got offered the job, I had really only worked at the restaurant that I was working in for about three weeks. And um, that particular restaurant, it, you know, it took a long time for them to hire people because you made such great money as servers that people didn't leave very often. And so I had just started working there and it was one of these shifts where like everything was going wrong kind of around, uh, you know, I... I had put in a pizza and said no mushrooms because of allergies and the pizza had come out with mushrooms. And so I sort of caught it on the fly and brought it back and you just stuff going on like that. And, um, there's these two businessmen were sitting in the corner of my section that I was responsible for. And they sort of just waited for lunch to be over, which that's not that normal for businessmen. And, uh, at the end anyway, um, one of the guys who looked quite young, just, said to me, hey, I'd love to offer you a job in car rental. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm cool. I, you know, I really, I have a, a job and I like being here because I'm thinking he looked really young. So I'm thinking he's a counter manager somewhere. You know what I mean? And you're not going to beat a server salary being behind a counter. And so I was just like, you know, that's cool. Thanks so much. And, and whatever. And he's like, okay, well, I'm just going to leave my card. If you change your mind, just call me. And I was like, okay, thanks so much. And, you know, he'd come in a few other times, but I'd never talked to him. So he left and I went over and picked up his card and and he was the president of National Car Rental Canada. And I thought, oh, you're not a counter guy. You're the head of the company for the whole of Canada. And so I was like, huh. So I prayed about it for a while and I didn't actually end up calling him back. And he came back in a week and a half later asked for my section, sat down again. And and uh, so when I went over to serve him, I'm like, oh, hi, car rental, you know, and he sort of laughed and he's like, still, I still want you working for me. Will you come in and talk to me and whatever? And I was like, yeah, I will, you know, okay, sure, I will. So I went in and I talked to him and I talked to um, his VP of operations and you know, it was a good interview and they were sort of like, hey, what do you, what do you, where do you feel like your life is going and I said, well, you know, I don't, I don't know what the next five years look like, but I feel like the Lord said five years from now that I'll be in full-time ministry. So I said, so you need to know if you hire me, you've got me for five years. I think I leave after that. But if you do hire me, I'll give you 110% while I'm here. And so they were both like, okay, then, you know, and they offered me the job on the spot and right into middle management and that kind of stuff. And Wait, wait, wait. So you went from... Serving their tables straight into middle management. Yeah. They were they wanted to train me to be a city manager. So that would you know, that would put you over 
40 or 50, depending on the size of your city. But in Toronto, it would put you over, over 40 managers and of different locations and that kind of stuff. So they, they, there was a program that they were just starting. I was one of the first people going into it. And you basically trained to run every department um, at, you know, at head office. So you had to know how to run the licensees, how to run distribution, how to run fleet, how to run, you know, all the different departments so that you could then run the city and know how every single thing was supposed to operate. So then what happened? Well, um, so I was in that program. Um, and again, I was w- working for Vince. Everybody there was so intimidated by Vince. Vince was very, very intense, but Vince absolutely loved me. Um, and so it was really funny because people would just leave me alone as it were, because they knew that Vince had my back. Um, at one point about a year in, I mean, I got promoted, I think eight times in the four years that I worked there. Um, but at one point Vince asked me to come to his office. Um, well, the first time he did it, it was like after I'd been working there about three weeks and, when when he called for me, he called the manager I was working for and said, you know, could you send AJ to my office? And that manager was like, AJ has been so nice working with you and whatever. And I was like, why are you, why are you saying that, Andre? And he's like, because if you get called to Vince's office, you're fired. Like, you're done. And I was like, oh, well, I haven't done anything to be done. He's like, it doesn't matter. And I'm like, okay. And I go to Vince's office and Vince, I, you know, I came in and he goes, shut the door, please. And so I shut the door and I sat down and he goes, people want to know why you smile so much. You know, and I, so I started laughing. I said, is this really the conversation we're having? And he's like, yeah, why do you smile so much? And I said, do you want a real answer? And he said, yes. And I said, I love Jesus and I know that I'm loved. And he goes, oh, I have to ask you a question. Now his siblings had just gotten saved and, you know, and he had all these questions about Jesus and now he had somebody to ask about them. So it was really, really cool. So every once in a while he called me in his office to ask me questions about why was his sister leaving her amazing job and starting an orphanage in India and that kind of stuff? It was really cool. But anyway, I got promoted and promoted and promoted. And at one point they paid me for a year and a half to just pastor all of the managers in the city to meet with them, to talk to with them about their dreams and hopes and all that kind of stuff. And then rearrange them into teams that would work better together. You know, I just, I had an enormous amount of fun, but I mean, even in serving jobs, I always got promoted to the serving you know, the shift leader and then right. to the server trainer and whatever. I just, and I just, I loved working. So humanly, right? So obviously the Lord's at work in that, but humanly, what do you credit for that? Just hard work, honoring your boss? Hard work and honor. Like not, you know, be where you say you're going to be. Don't call in sick if you're not sick. Give all, give your all when you're there. Don't grumble. Don't talk about other people. Just be there and get the job done and be a great example. In Proverbs 3, I'm, not, I'm going to paraphrase it, it says basically this, it says, honor the word, practice loyalty, exercise kindness, then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That's really amazing. First Peter 5, 5 says this, God favors the humble. Yeah. So, you know, you already have favor in the eyes of the Lord because of Jesus, but our encouragement is if you want to grow in favor with people, practice honor. Practice humility, practice kindness, practice loyalty. Practice not whinging. Right. <laughs> Here's another thing I want to talk about. Like, So we talked a little bit about how your favor in God is already there because of Christ and how you can grow in favor with man. But I want to talk about 
cultivating the favor that's on you or following the favor on your life. Because one of the most confusing things to me is people who have favor but don't follow it. So, for example, I understand why you're skeptical of this young guy giving you a business card. You know, you maybe thought he was hitting on you or, you know, he wasn't what he was, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But ultimately, you followed the favor that was on you and it led you in a completely different career path. But if you have favor in an area of your life, be it an opportunity or a relationship or a deal, my encouragement is follow the favor. Yeah. For for me, it's relationships. Like I meet with a lot of people every week. You know, I'm meeting with people. People are asking for input or wisdom, or I'm meeting with people just you know to train them or encourage them or you know bring an element of correction or whatever. There's a, a million reasons why I'm meeting with a million different types of people. But every now and then, I'll meet with somebody, and I will I will just be amazed that this person has favor in my eyes. Mm-hmm. And what that looks like is I'm having lunch with somebody and I don't really want the lunch to end. Mm-hmm. And that's quite uncommon for me. And I'm thinking, I'll give you the shirt off my back. I will literally give you anything. Like, what is it you need? And in my life, when I see favor on somebody like that, I go and pursue that. I, I think Josh and Sarah touched on that last week when they were speaking, that their first time at Grace Center, they were just going up to get communion and they walked past me. And I remember I just looked over at them and thought, wow, who's that? Now, I could have just thought, oh, I wonder who those are. Maybe they're visitors. But I actually went and pursued it because there was favor in my eyes. Like I noticed them and thought, gosh, I wonder who they are. Mm -hmm. And they reciprocated that. You know, it went back and forth. So I'm pursuing the favor I see on them. They're responding to the favor that they're receiving from from me. And I, I see lots of people abdicate the favor that's on their life. Just say no to it or, you know, for whatever reason. I don't know whether that's fear. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but there's an element where we actually have to steward the favor that's on our life really, really well and cooperate with it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've seen people who have tremendous favor in other people's eyes. Right. And But for whatever reason, they end up staying stuck. And whether that's because they're fearful of success or they're just comfortable with where they are, maybe they don't expect God to do something more. Mm-hmm. And so they, they never move forward, even when favor is actually right there opening a door for them. Right. And that's confusing to me. I I guess... It's sad. It is, because it actually slows down what God is trying to give you. Yeah. The thing is, the favor that's on your life is ultimately used for other people. Mm -hmm. Like, favor isn't just so that we can have a great life, but favor is on you for other people. It's in you for you and on you for many. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like Joseph, the favor that was on Joseph got him to be the number two person in all of Egypt, and in turn, he saved the nation. Right. Esther, for example, she saved the whole Jewish people because of the favor she had in the eyes of the king. Right. And so if if you're listening to this and you're fearful of favor or you're fearful of opportunities that are coming your way, that's sad because it could be God's trying to promote you, trying to prosper you, trying to bring you into a new season. But it's also sad because the people who are going to be blessed because of your obedience are not going to receive it as quickly as God might like. Right. So we have some questions for you this week. So the first question is, who has favor in your eyes? And are you cultivating those relationships? Like, are you pursuing those people? Right. Do a stock check in your life. When you're interacting with people, who is it that stands out to you? Yeah. And you know, what are you doing with those relationships? Second question, where is the favor pointing you in your life? 
For example, in your life, are you experiencing favor in a certain area or from certain people or in a certain direction? And are you actually following those opportunities or following those relationships? I, I wonder, you know that whole saying, you can't see the forest for the trees? Yeah. I think sometimes there's parts of our life where we cannot see the favor for the facts. Right. By that I mean there are situations in our life that suggest that favor is nowhere to be found. But actually, if we stop, if we look past the circumstances and we ask God, God, what is it you're wanting to be to me in this situation that you couldn't be in any other, favor is usually attached to that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my question is, what areas of your life right now are you looking at and it just feels favorless? Because that's not true. That's contrary to what Scripture says. And then the last thing I want to encourage you to do is to ask God for favor in the eyes of your superiors. Because you already have favor with God. Next, just ask God for favor with man. Daniel chapter 1 verse 9 says this, Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. So if you feel like you're lacking favor in the eyes of people around you, ask God for it. It's a gift he wants to give to others for your benefit. All right, let's let's just wrap this bad boy up. Uh, <laughs> we uh, we would love you to come and spend eight months with us at the School of Supernatural Life. If you've been thinking about that or praying about that, the uh, URL is schoolofsupernaturallife.org uh, to find out you know all the details about that. So applications close on uh, June seventeenth, and so you need to have gotten your applications in by then. If you have questions about the school, there's a fax page that will tell you everything from, you know, childcare to all the different options that are available and things to expect. Uh, if you have any questions, there's also email addresses there that you can email to get in touch with us so that we can answer those questions for you. But you got to be quick because you've only got a couple of days left. A couple of days left. Um, if you want to ask us a question about anything else, if you go to alanaj.com slash ask, we will do our best to answer your questions on air. Um, we had a bunch of questions coming this week. I'm sorry I didn't get to them. Um, and also, I wanted to mention our good friend Chris McClorney just released his brand new album on Jesus Culture. It's called Everything and Nothing Less. It's an incredible album. It's incredible. I would say it's the first CD that's done a good job of capturing what Chris McClorney is like in worship. Which is amazing. Which is absolutely amazing. Um, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. If you want to listen to our interview with Chris um, from a couple of months ago, go to alanaj.com slash 33. And lastly, if you want the show notes from this episode, go to alanandaj.com slash 56. Have an incredible week, and we will see you this time next week.